Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today on the Be High Performing Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Eisenhut. As a mental performance coach, I help people maximize their performance in anything they do by applying game-changing psychological principles. Whether you're an athlete, a business professional, a performing artist, you name it, I can help you train your brain to reach levels of performance you never thought possible. Let's get started. Today's testimonial is from Jason H., CEO of UC Advantage. He says, I have been working with Brennan for about a year in his capacity as a performance coach. I have seen dramatic changes in not only me, but my organization. I have found Brennan's insights extremely helpful during our sessions. He provides me with homework each week to move me forward with the issues we outline, and he's extremely detailed in his analysis and follow-up. I have been extremely happy with his work. Thank you so much for that testimonial, Jason. It's been a blast working with you. I've really enjoyed seeing Jason's progress personally and in his organization throughout all the work that we've been doing together. And if you are ready to take your performance and well-being to the next level, go to BeHighPerforming.com to learn more about how I can help you through personal coaching, team trainings, or online courses. Also, if you'd like to share a testimonial about my podcast or any of my courses or services, you can do so through Apple Podcasts or email me at brennan at behighperforming.com. As you share your experiences, you'll help others to join us on the journey to high performance. And you may even hear your testimonial on the show. Okay, let's hop into today's topic. The other day at church, at the start of Sunday school, the teachers invited us to turn to the people next to us and share good things that we experienced in the past week. So I turned to the couple next to me and I asked, what good did you experience this week? And the wife right away said, nothing, nothing was good this week. And then she went on to tell me about all the craziness of raising three young children and just all the difficulty that that entails. And I can have so much compassion for that. Beth and I don't have children yet, but just thinking about the experience of raising three young children, I imagine that would be very chaotic and hectic and very challenging. But it was really sad to me that she genuinely seemed to think that nothing good at all happened in the past seven days, that everything was bad. Because in my view, that's just not true. It's never true. Even though I don't know her life or the details of it, it's just never true that you've not experienced good things. There's always good going on, But sometimes we're blinded to it and we fail to see that good. But for example, I know that they've experienced good things such as good health. I mean, I don't know how good their health is, but I know it's good enough to be attending church. And that's a blessing, right? To be able to be healthy enough to go out into your community and participate in things like that. Their children are healthy based on what they told me. That's another great thing. 
I know they have a safe place to live. I know that because our congregations are organized geographically, so we all live in the same general area. So I know they live in a safe, clean place, which, again, is a great thing that they've experienced. I know they have food, they have clothes, they have a car, all sorts of good things that she potentially could have focused on and identified, but she didn't focus on those things. She was only focusing on what she was viewing as the bad, the negative things in her life that week. But that's not just a her problem. It's something that we all tend to fall into at times, including myself. There's actually an official term for this. It's called negativity bias. And that just means the psychological phenomenon in which people tend to give more weight and attention to negative information or experiences compared to positive ones. Again, almost all of us experience this. This is kind of the normal default human mode of thinking and perceiving things. Negativity bias is a common human experience. There are various ways that we can experience negativity bias. First of all, we can experience it in the past, the present, or the future, as far as which frame of time we're focusing on. So we can see the past through a lens of negativity bias. We can interpret past experiences through negativity and only see those negative aspects and fail to see the positive ones. Or even if we see the positive aspects, we see more of the negative ones or put more weight on those negative aspects, see them as more important or significant. Same with the present, with our current situations. We can do the exact same. And then in the future as well, when we think about future possibilities, we can see those with negativity bias, kind of in hopeless, helpless ways. Things aren't going to work out. Or we can see them in positivity. We can see them through hope and passion and excitement and enthusiasm. And then we can also experience negativity bias as applied to ourselves, as applied to the way that we see others, and as applied to experiences that we have. So it can be applied in all of these different ways. And I'm sure if you really think about it, you've probably experienced negativity bias in all of these time frames and all of these different subjects of thinking about certain things. I would like to give you some tips today for overriding your brain's normal default negativity bias because we don't have to be victims to it, even though this tends to be our default mode that's naturally ingrained in us we can learn to overcome it. We can train our brains and do better and be better and think more productively and more positively, more gratefully, more hopefully. So let's hop into some tips here. Tip number one is to simply recognize it. That's where we have to start. If we're not aware of our negativity bias, then we can't override it. We can't begin to overcome it. So step one, we have to recognize it. Practice paying attention to the way you're thinking about things and perceiving situations. 
and simply notice when you're focusing more on the negative aspects than the positive ones, or when you're putting more weight on those negative aspects, thinking that they matter more than the positive things. Pay attention and notice when you're doing that. One great way to do that is to simply say to yourself, negativity bias, right? When you notice yourself doing that. And you can also do it in a journaling exercise. You can think about your day. Go through the past day and think about when today was I in more of the negativity bias mode. As you reflect on that, you'll begin to gain insights and be more aware. Tip number two is to decide to be in charge of your focus. One thing that I love to do with so many of my clients when they fall into negativity bias is to have them say out loud or write down this set of sentences to say, I don't have to be a victim to my brain's negativity bias. I get to choose what I focus on and what I strive to believe. Now, I do put that phrase strive to believe instead of just what I choose to believe because I do feel that believing a lot of times is a bit more than just a choice because sometimes we want to believe something and it's hard. And so we have to go through a process and I help people go through processes for training their brains to believe. But at the very least, we do have full control over what we strive to believe. So as we just say this to ourselves, as we remind ourselves that we don't have to be controlled by our brain's default negativity bias and that we get to choose what to focus on and what to strive to believe, all of a sudden we're putting ourselves in the driver's seat and we're saying, okay, negativity bias, you might be there. You might be part of my brain's wiring, at least for now. But even though you're there, you are not going to control me. I am going to be in charge. Tip three is when you notice that you've fallen into negatively biased thinking, immediately think of at least two positive aspects of the situation or the person that you're thinking about. For example, maybe right when you wake up, your first thought is, oh, I don't want to go to work today. I really don't. It just sounds like the worst thing. I just want to sit here, be in bed, fall back asleep. Work is the worst. What could you think about instead? What could you focus on? All sorts of things. Some ideas could be, hmm, maybe I like seeing my coworkers or I'm grateful that I have a job. What a blessing that is. Or I like the feeling of satisfaction from working hard. There are endless possibilities of positive aspects of your experience going to work that you could think about, but identify at least two right away. It'll help wire your brain to focus in that positive direction instead of in the negative direction. Or let's say, for example, a soccer player is about to take a penalty shot and they're saying to themselves, what if I miss? So they're in negativity bias because they're focusing more on the possibility of missing than the possibility of making it, right? So if you're in that situation and all of a sudden your mind is in, what if I miss? 
Well, immediately you could think of two positive aspects of the situation. In this case, it would probably be more future oriented, such as positive possibilities, but it could also be present oriented, like positive things in this current situation right now. For example, I could make the shot. That's a positive future possibility. Or this is a fun challenge. This is a positive way to view the present moment. Or I'm grateful for all the work that's gotten me to this point. Again, endless possibilities for positive aspects of the situation and positive possibilities that you can focus on. These are just some to get your mind going a little bit. Identify at least two and you'll start changing your brain, rewiring your brain for positive bias instead of negative bias. Okay, and then tip number four is to objectively consider the odds of various outcomes. This is applied specifically to future-oriented thinking. Again, when you're in future-oriented negativity bias, thinking only about the negative possibilities or just more about the negative possibilities than the positive ones, consider the odds as objectively as possible of various outcomes happening. So many times, we're very unrealistic about negative possibilities happening, about the odds of them actually coming about. For example, in soccer, it really is so common to be at this point where you're about to take a penalty shot and you just feel like you're going to miss. Like, it's just more likely that you're going to miss than that you're going to make it. But in reality, the statistical odds of successfully scoring a penalty shot are about 75%. So the actual objective odds are in your favor. And obviously this depends what level you're competing at, what your personal skills are, things like that. So it always varies. But on average, the odds are way in your favor. They're about 75% that you're going to make this shot and only 25% that you'll miss. And yet it just feels more likely to you that you'll miss simply because that's the negative painful possibility. And that pain that can come from that possibility makes you feel like it's more likely to happen because emotionally it's hitting you more heavily. And yet that's not the case. So if you can get into objectivity and view it just numerically, what are the odds? It helps you to see things more realistically and more positively. Or as another example, seeking a job. It can be so discouraging when you're on the job hunt. You probably don't have any income coming in right now if you are looking for a job. And that can feel really scary and that can weigh heavily on you. And because that weighs so heavily on you and feels emotionally painful, it can feel more likely that you won't find a job, that you're doomed, that you won't have the finances that you need, that you won't be able to take care of yourself and your family. But in reality, most people tend to land a job within three to six months of active job searching. So the odds are in your favor that within three to six months of active job searching, you will land a job and all will be well. 
And yet, even though that is statistically the case, it often doesn't feel to us personally like that's going to be the case. So again, if you can just get more into objective mode and really think, what are the odds of the positive outcomes? What are the odds of the negative outcomes? It helps you to see them more realistically and more positively. And you're not always going to have access to all the stats, but even just thinking logically about what the odds probably are can help you realize that you're probably putting too much weight on the negative possibilities and seeing them as more likely than they actually are. I hope these tips have been helpful for you today. Thank you so much for listening. You may have noticed that only my most recent podcast episodes are available and then they start to disappear as new ones come out. If you would like unlimited access to all my podcast episodes, stay tuned for the Be High Performing Community, a platform designed to provide you with the ongoing training, support, and camaraderie that you need to bring your performance and well-being to ever-increasing levels. I'm excited for it. Stay tuned. Also, make sure to take a screenshot of this podcast and share it on social media so that others can join us on the journey to high performance. Thank you so much again. Let's be high performing today. Your mind is the control center for everything you do. Optimize your mind and you'll optimize your performance. Be High Performing for Athletes is the ultimate online course for athletes who are ready to take their game to the next level through proven mental skills and performance enhancing techniques. The price will go up, so make sure to sign up now at BeHighPerforming.com.